Mean Old Lion Media and Sunseeker TV, in association with Carl Anthony Payne Entertainment, present Black Arm of the Law. Hey, what's up, everybody? That's right. The voice is different, but the man is the same from probably last week. I'm not sure. You know, this is my second stint on the show. Black Arm of the Law. I am comedian Rudy Rush from the heralded uh, great You Can't Rush Success podcast. <laughs> I'm going to blow my podcast up, but uh, shout out to my man, Carl Payne, who couldn't be with us today. He's still vacationing and dealing with some family stuff as well. So we wish him all the best as he gets himself together as he comes back to this great podcast. Today, we have a great guest, but I want to talk about a few things prior to uh, bringing this guest on. Uh, Being an African-American male myself, growing up in the African-American community, uh, I'm from Harlem, New York. So, you know, my knowledge of what we're going to discuss today is probably close to or equal to a lot of uh, African-Americans across the country. As far as gun control, as far as owning weapons and things of that nature, we all have uh, an idea of what and how and what to do with it. And, you know, a lot of darker sides of that element. Well, today we have a guest who's going to actually shed a lot of light on the proper way and the benefits and all of those good things, all the positives of dealing with uh, gun control and and guns in in America and as an African-American. From NAGA, the National African-American Gun Association, I would love to welcome to Black Armor Law, Mr. Philip Smith. What's up, Phil? How are you? Hey, what's up? Nothing. Real happy to be here, man. Very excited. Good, good. Good to have you, man. And you, you know, you heard me in the beginning. You know, that's one of the first things that, you know, crossed my mind when I read up on, first of all, a lot of African-Americans don't understand or, or know that you guys exist. How long have you guys been in existence? I founded the organization back in February 28th in 2015 in honor of Black History Month. Wow. What do you guys actually do? What does it encompass? Because it does encompass a lot. But break that down for us if you can. We have three main focus uh, areas. Uh, the main thing, and this is the, the core of the, of the organization, we focus on African-Americans learning how to shoot a gun. We introduce firearms to them, how to hold mm-hmm. a gun, uh, which caliber is best for you, how to select a, a gun if you're a first time um, buyer, um, which ranges you, we recommend you going to in your local area, and just really updating them on what to do when it comes to firearms. 70% of our folks coming through the door are what we call newbies, new owners. So we really kind of embrace them, give them a hug and say, come on into the family. And we really educate them on, on every aspect of uh, owning a firearm. Wow. You know, and, and, and for a lot of people who are not gun owners, of course, there's some taboo issues. There's some, some issues of, you know, I mean, a lot of us have grown up in traumatic situations. So, right. you know, there's, 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 it runs the full gamut of, of legal and illegal and things of that nature. And I don't know if it's embarrassing, but I've been on the side where I've seen people own guns almost in a more of an, in a legal fashion than right. the legal term. And I feel like what you're trying to do is usher us into a new day and age where, you know, we're seeing that we do need to be protected and we need to be legitimately licensed to carry as we do so. You make a great point. First of all, I want to say the Second Amendment is ours as well. African-Americans died uh, in huge numbers and continue to die fighting for that Second Amendment. So it's ours just like everyone else's. Mm. When you have the Second Amendment and you want to go out and buy a gun, there's a process that you have to go through. And to your point, too many times in our communities across the country, it doesn't really matter where you're from, a lot of our folks, unfortunately, are, are buying guns illegally. What we try to do is we try to take you by the by the hand and say, OK, you, if you want to buy a gun to protect yourself, lawfully and legally, these are the steps that you need to go through in your particular state. And we are very, very good. Um, We have over 130 chapters at taking folks in large numbers or small in very organized fashion with certified instructors every step of the way to show you how to do that. 
how to go mm. out, as I mentioned earlier, how to buy a gun, how to determine which gun is best for you. And in some cases, we've had some folks we sit down with and say, you know, we don't think you need a gun. We don't think it's a good move based on your your mindset or where you're at, you know, personally and based on our observation. And that's something you have to be honest about. I'll tell you a, f- a quick story. And when you said that, that last part about just, you know, being knowledgeable, just being mindful of of the people you deal with. It's not just you guys trying to put a gun in everybody's hand. Yeah. And I had a relationship and, you know, she was married prior to. And I thought about this and you just back me up, Phil, on this. <laughs> this gentleman has been married seven years Okay. Has a child for five years and he's got a family, never had a firearm. Now he's living by himself. His daughter comes back and says, daddy's got a firearm. I said, you got to watch that cat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> I mean, he's, he's on to something different and, and to pick those things up. I feel like, you know, that's, that's something where, you know, there's some of us who absolutely don't because the firearm does bring on a sense of, 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 of uh, invincibility or mm-hmm. for some people it, it puts them in a different space where they don't need to be. But what do you need as a, a, a gun owner in America? What would be like the criteria? What would I need to own a gun legally? What I tell everybody is the following steps, no matter where you're at. First of all, sit down with yourself and say, okay, why am I having this, this urge to buy a gun? Mm. Okay. Once you've said, okay, I do need a gun for self-protection. You might, you might want to do competitive shooting. You might want to go hunting. You might want to do recreational, whatever the case may be, but you've made that decision internally to go buy a gun. I recommend to everyone start reading, Google, Mm. talk to different people, go and go to the gun range. And before you buy anything, talk to as many folks behind the counter to get different perspectives because everyone has a different Mm. perspective. Um, do I need a shotgun for home self-defense or do I want to carry concealed carry going back and forth to work because I get off late and I walk to my car? I might have four or five hundred yards to walk in a very dark area and I just want to have a extra layer of protection. You really have to kind of customize your gun to your circumstance. And NAGA is very, very good. And I'm, I'm going to brag here a little bit. We're very good at getting the details down with each particular mm. member on what you're trying to accomplish. We have a lot of single professional black women that are buying guns now in droves across the country, thousands and thousands. And we're telling them different things based on what they're trying to do. If they're getting off late, walk into their car, they might have, mm. might want to have a, car, a gun in their purse or they might be jogging on Saturday and they want to have a gun uh, on their person while they're jogging. Whatever the case, we really try to educate them on the on the good, the bad, the do's and the don'ts. And we've been really, really successful thus far. So that's where I'm getting all this attitude at the club from. <laughs> she packing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's your fault. No. So let me ask you a question because this is definitely, you know, something that I always want to ask people who are in as deep as you are, because this has definitely become, and I read the the website and you guys are very detailed and very uh, precise. And it's a very good read as far as the, the origin of the company. And it's very, very well done. But what was your initial, I guess, owning a gun for the first time? How did you get into firearms and, and, and what was your you know need to move in this direction? I'll be honest, I'm the most unlikely person you'll ever meet in your life to lead a gun organization. I was born and raised in a little town called Vallejo, California. Uh, the mm. south side of Belal, which is the the poor side, blue collar, what we call no collar. It was a poor area, but we loved it. You know, that's that's where I came from, and that's I'm very proud to to say that. So in Belal, in my neighborhood, they had guns there, but in my household in Belal, guns were not talked about. Um, I wanted to be like Michael Jackson, have a big beautiful fro at the time, chase <laughs> girls in my bell bottom pants, you know, because I'm aging myself. I'm 62, and uh, and that was it, man. That that was the the goal to get girls. So uh, from my upbringing, guns were really not in my life. But it changed dramatically in 2002 when I moved from California to Georgia. I married a country mm. girl. 
And uh, she wanted to be in the South and raise our kids in the South. And I'm glad I did. Um, but going to the South is a very, very different reality versus California. Yeah. Everybody has guns out here. And that's not literally, but just about everybody. Mothers mm. give their daughters guns. Fathers pass down heirlooms, firearm heirlooms to their sons. They have picnics. And after the picnic, they'll have a shooting competition. They go hunting together. They go outdoors together and utilize the firearm. It's ingrained in the family structure. Wow. Totally opposite of California. And it's not something that's viewed negatively. It's viewed in very positive light, black Mm -hmm. and white. It doesn't really matter. So when I was introduced from 2002 until 2015, I really had to kind of change my mindset because I'll be honest with you, I had some biases based on being raised in California and my initial exposure to firearms. It was in a a negative or illegal use. And but on the other side, I was like, you know, these are some good folks here. They're just like me and you. They're doctors, they're nurses, they're teachers, they're state workers. Um, they're janitors and they all have guns and I don't see them doing anything illegal and they weren't. And that's when it clicked. So uh, kind of fast forward, I was at work one day on a Monday and two of my coworkers said, hey, Phil, we're going to the gun range on Saturday. Do you want to come? And I kind of looked at them and said, nah, man, that's that's not for me. I'm not going to, I never really shot a gun. That's not for me. But they literally bugged me Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. <laughs> and my father has to look, man, I'll go, please. I just wanted to get them off, get them off my back. Yeah, yeah, let's get it over yeah, with. Yeah, let's get, let's get the pain over with. So fr- Saturday morning, I'm there at 9.30, signing the waiver forms. And I'll be honest with you, make a long story short, I had a hell of a time. Wow. I was there for three hours. I shot everything. AR, AK, shotgun, three fifty seven, Magnum, Glock, SIG, you name it. I was shooting and, I, and my arm was literally sore and I left and I loved it. And I stopped wow. in the middle of the, of the lobby and I looked up by myself and I said, you know what? I'm going to come back next week by myself. And if I have this much fun again, I think something might be going on. So I fast forward next Saturday. I'm there by myself and I spent like three and a half hours again. Wow. And I, that's when I said, OK, I got something here because I was the only black in the building. Man. And I said, if I as an African-American male with no experience can have this much fun, I know my people, my community, black folks like me would love to do this. They just need a bridge or an organization that can provide a hand to pull them through this. And that's when the yeah. light went on and I started the uh, National African American Gun Association. Now, I saw on your website, you guys have a, a really cool website where they count down and they show you exactly how many how many members are you at now? And, and, and it's growing in a rapid pace, it seems. So like how many members from when you started? Of course, you had none. It was just you and your inspiration. But now yeah. how many do you have? We have slightly over 42,000 members. Uh, we're Jeez. averaging about a thousand new members per month. Um, and that's all over the country. Texas. Yes. Connecticut, California, Florida, Wyoming, South Dakota, Minnesota, people from all over the country, black folks having the same conversation that are not related, that are joining for the same reason. They want an organization that speaks to them, that they feel comfortable. And something I want to mention and make sure I get this out before I forget in my old age. At at NAGA, you don't have to dress alike, walk alike and talk alike. You can be a black Republican. You can be a black Democrat. You can be gay, straight, rich, poor, dumb, indifferent. Because when you join our organization, we're going to give you a high five. We're going to hug you and say, come on, brother. Come on, sister, whoever you are, whatever your color. Yeah. And you are welcome. And that big tent perspective resonates with people, regardless of where you're at politically, socially, culturally. And that's part of the growth and the reason why we're growing so fast and so quickly, mm. consistently, because people can come and say, you know what? I can be myself. I can talk about the issues that are important to me and nobody's going to demonize you. Yeah. And that, that, that's a very powerful message that I think people get when they come to our organization. Wow. That's interesting right there. Black arm of the law. 
comedian Rudy Rush in for Carl Payne. We're talking to Philip Smith, who is the president of uh, NAGA, which is the National African American Gun Association. And, you know, I, I really commend you for doing this. And I and I always ask people this who start things as magnificent as this seems like you always hear different stories. So what's a story that kind of stands out in your mind? Because I'm sure you get reached out to quite often about people having a situation where they, their life has changed by joining an organization like yours. So is there anything that kind of sticks out in your, in your mind to say, this is really why I started this? This is why I'm glad I started this? Or Two, two you know? quick stories. And this is the, the first story is the one that probably resonates the most, but the, the second story is just as powerful. I got an email. I'm not an email. I got a handwritten letter and it was from a 86 year old black man in Jackson, Mississippi. And he said he cried when he found out that there was a black firearms organization for African-Americans he could not believe it. He didn't mm. even know how to. Uh, he didn't. He did not even know how to get to the internet. He had to get his grandkids to pull into his computer so he could see it for himself. Wow! And when I saw that, I, I I'm not gonna say I was crying, but I was I was taken back and said, you know what? I am doing something that 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 means something to a lot of people, and I have Absolutely. to cherish that and protect that and do it the right way. The second most, I think powerful event is when I had a young lady came to me at a meeting here in Atlanta and she said, Philip, can I talk to you for a moment? I said, sure, ma'am. You know, and she said, can I just take it, take it to have a private conversation. So I went outside. She said, you know, I won't let you know I was raped and Mm. I was sitting in the house for two and a half years, scared to go out, barely went to my job. I was living in this kind of state of paranoia because someone had Mm. violated me. But when I heard about your organization, it empowered me. And I went to the first meeting and I saw there were a lot of other black women there like me with mm. different stories like me. I saw mm. black men there that were positive and they were trying to do the right thing. I see her of around course. town now. She's happy. She's confident. She's overcome that that victim mentality. She's taking ownership of her future. And mm. that right there said, again, you know, Philip, you're doing something that means uh, a lot to, to a lot of people. And it means uh, you're doing the right thing. So those two stories are very, very, you know, kind of ingrained in my heart. And it says, OK, keep the good work up regardless of what people say, because it has not been always easy. It's been very difficult initially, even though we've had a, a number of years of success. Yeah. And let's talk about that difficult part, because I'm yeah. sure with legislation and just, yeah. you know, people don't understand in anything, even if you were baking cookies and and, and had a positive black image on the box, you're going to you're going to experience some hate. There is a there is an underlying area in this country, which we all understand. We don't quite agree with it, of course. But, you know, a part of not agreeing with things, you still got to deal with it. You still got to live your life. So what are some of the challenges that you have faced while building such an organization? Because I would say your organization more than most could seem way more threatening than than any other organization that I've probably ever heard of as organized as yours, especially when it comes to, to firearms and African-Americans having them. Correct. Correct. Now, I, I, we have a term in, in NAGA, we, we, and this is the term, we agree to disagree, but not disconnect. That means mm. if I meet a brother on the street and I have many, many times, or I talk to a pastor, or I'm talking to a community activist, or talking to someone that has a negative view and say, hey, Phil, I respect you doing much love to you, but I just can't get with your organization. I'm obligated. And I always tell all of my members and my executive team and everyone around me to ask one question. I appreciate you being honest with me, but how did you get to your decision to be someone that, that does not embrace firearms when, when clearly a firearm can protect you if used properly? And mm. we're obligated to listen to that person's story. Yeah, You may not want to hear it. It may make you upset. It might make you like, oh, this dude don't know what he... he doesn't, doesn't know what they're talking about. But at mm-hmm. NAGA, we do something really, really well. We listen. 
Mm. Now, when we finish listen, finish, finish listening, I'm, that person would hopefully want to listen to your story. And that's what I try to educate that person on why it's very, very important for African-Americans to have firearms. We have never collectively as a people had firearms in this country. That's why we've had the Tulsa massacre. That's why we had Rosewood. That's why black men who get attacked on Sunday when they're looking at a house in South Georgia and just jogging and get attacked by three men in a truck. We have never collectively embraced firearms mm. legally. I yeah. believe that the farm is the main thing that has prevented us from being stable economically and culturally so we can protect our communities. So, I can believe that. So we have those conversations. When you have those conversations, they're not easy conversations, but they're an honest dialogue. And you come away from those dialogues because obviously I'm not going to change their mind and they're not, not going to change mine. But mm-hmm. we can have a respect for one another. And, and that respect is a lot better than just throwing stuff at each other on the side of, either side of the, of the hall or the room and saying you're this and you're that. That gets you, that gets you nowhere. Yeah, well, let me tell you right now, if they throwing stuff, Phil, I'm standing on your side of the street because y'all got guns. <laughs> no, no, I'm, no, I know. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer on that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got to excuse me. I'm a comedian. Sometimes it slips out. But no, no, but absolutely. So now, you know, let's talk about the, the you know, the fact that this this uh, movement, which I'm calling NAGA a movement, uh, you know, it hasn't even had a 20 year existence. You know what I mean? And it's doing quite well. And so where do you see or how 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 often are you guys out of the out of the state of Georgia? Because that's where you're based out of. Right. Yeah. How often are you guys doing things or setting up shop in other cities? Do you have organizations in other cities or you do everything from Georgia? We are extremely organized. We have regional directors. We have five basic regions for the for the country. We have over one hundred and twenty chapters hundred thirty chapters right now. Uh, literally in every state of the union, we have members in every state um, as of right now. Um, including South Dakota and North Dakota, believe it or not. And mm. we are poised, I, I believe, I think we can get to 200,000 members over the next three to four years if we do it correctly. Now, wow. bear in mind, we have never really advertised until about a year and a half ago. It should have been word of mouth. Um, and we believe wow. with some strategic and putting some dollars behind it, quite honestly, we can get to 200,000 because I think our message resonates with our people. Black folks wow. are thirsty for an organization that is truly trying to help them protect themselves truly trying to protect black women, truly trying to protect black yeah. boys and girls. If we continue on this route, I think we'll do OK. But we have to stay on message and understand who we are and not bend to try, try to act like we're something that we're not. Yeah. And I, I truly believe that, too. And that and that was a great statement because I feel like we're in a place in this country where, you know, everyone's afraid of their own shadow and yeah. not a, not exactly understanding what to do in certain circumstances. And, you know, being a gun on yourself, you understand you. You don't move with an arrogance. It's a confidence and an understanding of when you have the knowledge, when you have the protection that you need. It's a difference. It's a huge difference. Even when you talk to someone because of someone in your position who has the knowledge. Now you tend to be a little bit more relaxed when you're out there and you don't know anything and you don't have the knowledge. Sometimes you overreact, even if you have a firearm and you don't have the knowledge. You can over. I mean, there's a billion guys and and girls sitting places in prison right now who overreacted where it could have been different, even with the firearm, with the knowledge, it's it comes a different set what, of circumstances. You make the, a great point. With knowledge comes information, come information, become, you. there's a sense of peace and calm because you know what to do. Uh, one of the things it, that you don't have to worry about when you know what you, what you know, what you know, what you know, is that you don't need to have this bravado, this macho, this diva attitude because you're competent. You know, I, care, I can still carry every day. No one ever knows. I shop, I, I jog. And that's the way I want it. And God forbid, I probably will never have to use that gun. But if someone does try to come up to me and try to do something, I have at least a chance. It doesn't guarantee anything, 
but I have an opportunity to protect myself and walk away. Um, And that's when you are a true gun owner, a NAGA member. That's how you carry yourself. You carry yourself with quiet confidence. You know what you know. Um, You practice on the weekends. You're a very, very uh, seasoned uh, shooter. Um, And you know the law and and how to apply that law when you have your gun. And I think that's a that's a value add for our for the black community from from my perspective. No, absolutely. And I think that the knowledge is is the is the ultimate key. Us even uh, like just just knowledge. When you say that word, it it means so so much more when it comes to dealing with firearms and protecting yourself, because we feel in this country that we're, you know, we're we're in a place right now, even with George Floyd and everything that's been going on and, and, and all of these different things. And I have friends who are African-American who are law enforcement and, you know, they, they feel it more so than anybody because they're blue and they're black. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, you know, like I said, you are doing a great service. Naga is an awesome thing. And and I hope that, you know, you guys will, you guys will reach 500,000 by the time you want it. It's going to, it's going to double because I just feel like it's time for us. More people are awoke and more people are not, they, we have the knowledge of self. It's, it's, you know, it's too much, you know, exposure as far as the internet and books and knowledge and, and, and just all of these stories. Like you said, Tulsa, a lot of people didn't know about these things. Yeah. You're learning, you could turn on your computer today and go somewhere like Instagram or TikTok, and you can learn more about your history. Oh, it's in, amazing. In, it's amazing. In five, and then five minutes, then you did your whole school, your scholastic career. And one thing I, I do want to mention, because you, you kind of made me kind of have a mental note here. We have probably well over 2,000 law enforcement officers in NAGA right now that are chapter wow. presidents, that are active members. They are just a lot of positive information, uh, resources they provide for the organization. And I think that's a that's a really good thing. We have a heavy influence of military, Army, Navy, Marines, mm. Air Force, Coast Guard that are active members, retired and active. So it makes the organization that more organic because it truly represents every aspect of society. A lot of times when something happens, when there's a shooting, I'll pick the phone up and I'll call a NAGA member who's a police officer and say, look, man, well, what's going on here? Give me your perspective. Mm. Sometimes mm. we argue, but it's all love. It's respect. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the conversations we need to have and the resources we need to have within the organization. That's why when a police officer joins, especially an African-American police officer, he or she is embraced. And we utilize that knowledge that they have from the inside out for the ben- benefit of the organization in our community. Because I don't have to tell you, a lot of times there's a there's a tension there. Mm. And we, no, yes, there is. There and we is. have to be able to negotiate that and be honest in, in our assessments, not to have one talk down to the other, but let's, let's have an honest conversation about how we can avoid having this happen again. We, we, we have a really good uh, string of luck. We have some great folks that are involved with the organization at this point. All right. So now, listen, I, you know, I'm doing this interview, Black Arm of the Law. You know, sitting there for my man, Carl Payne. And I'm telling you, I feel like this interview is for me because I mean, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a personal phone call and I, I feel really, uh, you know, it's a pleasure to be in your presence and get this knowledge from you. And I, I really appreciate what you've done. And it's it's just it's just weird. And, you know, some people are religious, some people are not. But I just feel like, you know, just God just found you and said, hey, you know, this is what's needed. And because it just it just came from nowhere. You know, I'll I tell you, when I when I first started, I was uh, working at another job. And I started the site about a month and a half and I had, I used to have my cell phone and every time somebody joined, it would have a little ping on it. So I'm sitting at my desk and I'm working and my boss is walking by and my phone's just going ping, 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 ping. And I thought something was wrong or broke on the phone, but literally I was getting like thousands of thousands of people joining and I had to turn my phone off. And that's when I knew, that's when the light was like, okay, I think you've got lighting in the bottle here, Philip. So let's, let's go ahead and manage this correctly. 
Absolutely. So what's what's going on? What's coming up for Naga? What's what's in the horizon? When's the conference? When am I going to do the comedy show? And, oh, and you, you, you know, you call- <laughs> no, no, really, though, honestly, like what's in the future? What Because I know you guys are planning some things right now. I see this going like you say, you're starting to advertise it. It's been word of mouth. But now I think the word of mouth needs to go into another gear, like you said. Yeah. So what's up? We ha- we just had our leadership conference now strictly for chapter presidents and executive team members and those in leadership positions on August 14th here in Atlanta. It was fantastic. Really good turnout, mm. good conversation. We talked about the business of NACA, where we started, where we're at, and more importantly, where are we going to go and how are we going to get there? Um, mm. Really good. We have a really good group of folks that that really brought the, their A-game, to be quite honest, in terms of their perspectives. And everybody had a view and we listened to everyone. And I think that was a start of something that's going to be really, really good moving forward because every year we'll have the leadership conference. Number two, we have the national convention coming up, August of 2022. I want everybody, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to overstate this, everybody in a, who's a black person who has a gun needs to be at that convention. Mm. It will be the first time in the history of the United States that an African-American firearms organization will be having a national convention. Wow. It will be for folks in every genre, every state. It's open to the public. You'll be able to come there and see all the big firearms organizations. You'll see all the, the all the companies. You get a chance to see a lot of African-Americans that are gun owners and interact with them, have conversations. It's going to be a once in a lifetime event that I want everyone, law enforcement, military, private citizens, teachers, doctors, lawyers, everyone who's a NAGA member and, and beyond to, to come and attend. That's going to be something really, really special. In addition to that, we have a program called the NEST program. Mm. That's, that is the NAGA Emergency Support Team. Wow. And it was so popular and it is so popular. We have over a thousand NESTs in the United States right now. And what that does is that in the case of emergency or pandemic, a NEST is a group of eight to nine people in your community that you can rely on for food, water, ammo, medical supplies, logistics, mm farming. And the reason why it's been so popular, we've even got calls from the federal government about the structure because it's so efficient. It's based on, as I said before, eight to nine people. And we're going to have conversations about that. Coming up in October 30th or 31st, we're going to have another conversation about the NEST program. And wow. you need to join in and everyone who's listening to, to that uh, town hall, it's going to be a virtual town hall because it's talking about how do you survive a pandemic? What do you do mm. if you get shot? How can I survive out in the wilderness? Mm. You save water for six months um, when you're in a, a very tight, uh, small place in terms of your of your housing, really just good common sense. We have some really good experts coming in that are, are black survivalists. And it's a mm. very unique perspective um, that, that you get a chance to do. So the town halls come in as well. So now how much pushback do you get? Of course, you know, it's it's always a thing when there's you know, African-American, the national African-American. How many people who, of course, are not African-American right. try to join? And how flexible are you guys in far as far as the inclusion? Anybody can join. We have white members. We have over a thousand white members right now. Eight, we have a, uh, a lot of Asian and Latino brothers and sisters that have been joining us as well. And we welcome that. But when you are joining the organization, I, I want to make sure I'm clear about this. Our focus is are strictly on African-American issues, mm. African-American concerns. We have to do that. We have to maintain that. And you can join in and help us in that process. We welcome you to, to do that. And I encourage folks to come in because everyone is welcome. It's like a big family. And that's, I'm, cool. and that, that's, that's the vibe. That's the feel. Um, it's a really good uh, conversation when, when people from outside the community join. 
You should let me. You should. You should hire me so I can do the question. I'm like KFC or Popeyes. They be like, oh, uh. <laughs> if you don't know the answer to that, you can't pay it. In. Right, right, right. <laughs> That's a little hard, Rudy. That's a little hard. No, no. But honestly, how can people get in contact with you? What's the website? Uh, as we wrap up here, uh, so people can kind of log on now and get. You know, we want to get some followers now. As soon as we start airing this. So we can get more followers. We want to listen that 200,000. We're going to get to 500,000 because I feel this is a phenomenal thing that you are doing, not only for, you know, African-Americans, for the country. The country needs to heal and we all need to heal together in a space where we all feel safe. And I think that's getting us closer to that. So I commend you, Philip, and, and everyone who works with you. And uh, I'm excited about what's to come for, for your organization, man. Sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the time. I really appreciated uh, the conversation. And if anyone wants to get a hold of more information about the R about NAGA, go to www.naaga.co. That's the National African-American Gun Association. We have a wealth of information. If you have any questions, contact member.support, and they'll be more than happy to answer your question and direct you in the right place. But we're the gun organization of the future, I believe. Um, everyone's welcome, and we're definitely here for the Black community to, uh, to learn how to shoot a gun and, and learn how to handle a, a gun lawfully. Now, one last question, because this is actually something I've been thinking about. The other gun organization, mm-hmm. the NRA. Mm-hmm. What is what is 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 there a distinct difference? I'm sure there is. But as far as 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 views go, do they offer a lot of the same things and we just haven't had access to it? Or is there just two different polar opposite uh, perspectives? One is the, the main thing is that there's a cultural difference. When you walk into a NAGA meeting, and I can't speak for any other organization, but I can speak about NAGA intimately, you are embraced and dipped into African-American culture and history. What Hmm. makes us different from any other gun organization in the world, because everybody shoots the same. Mm -hmm. Same rules, fundamentals are the same. The laws that apply to white folks apply to black folks. That's that's Mm. the thing. But what makes us very, very different is we have a thing called the NMOP. That's the new members orientation class. And in the new members orientation class, you learn about the history of black arms. You learn about the Buffalo soldiers. You learn about the Tuskegee airmen. You learn about the 761st, which is the first black tank battalion regiment yeah, in, yeah. In, in the Civil War. You learn about the Black Panthers of Self-Defense. You learn about the Deacons of Defense, which were a group of Korean ex-vets in, the, in Louisiana fighting for black voters to be able to register. So they fought the Klan. These are all mm. this is all history that black folks, most black folks don't even know. But when you become a NAGA member, there's a historical component that you are dipped into and you learn about. Mm. You don't get that from any other organization in the world. And even if you're just a history buff and not really a, a, a gun buff, that class in itself is a once in a lifetime because you can really talk about things you've never talked about before at mm-hmm. a very intimate and open level uh, with other folks that look like you. And that, that's the difference between us and any other organization. That in mock awesome. is the difference maker. Nice, nice. Phil Smith, Philip Smith, uh, president of NAGA, the National African American Gun Association, uh, doing real big things, real positive things. And uh, we are very fortunate to have you on our show today. I appreciate your time, Phil, and best of luck. And I'm sure we'll see each other real soon. And uh, the organization is doing some great things. So best of luck to you, brother. Thank you, Rudy. I appreciate the time, man. All right, everybody, listen, Black Arm of the Law, we will be back next week. Carl will be here, or you will hear my melodious voice. Okay, I might be taking over, Shana. <laughs> but listen, make sure you rock out with my man, Carl. I will be back on my platform. You can't rush success. 
Also, Mino Lion Media. This is the only way you can get it. So rock with us. Thank y'all so much. Thank you, Philip, once again. And y'all have a great evening. Black Arm of the Law is hosted by Carl Payne. Produced by Ken Johnson, Bart Phillips, and Carl Payne. Consulting producers, FBI Special Agent Retired Don Taylor and FBI Special Agent Retired George Graves. Edited by Rick Chill. Theme music by Jeff Red, courtesy of Soul Real Records. Executive producers, Ken Johnson and Bart Phillips. Find Black Arm of the Law on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Arm of the Law is a mean old lion media production. 